0: For centuries hunters have been telling stories of the hunt. Unfortunately, some of those stories have been lost or forgotten. We started this podcast in hopes that no hunting story goes untold. I'm Ross Civi and this is Switchback Stories. Welcome to Switchback Stories guys. This has been a long time coming and I'm super excited to get this thing going. Um, We've talked about doing a podcast forever and we just never had an idea where we thought it would be different than anyone else and so we had the idea of Switchback Stories just wanting to have people come on and tell just a simple hunting story. Uh, Episodes are going to be about 20 minutes long, nothing crazy, but we just want to hear your guys' stories on a once in a lifetime animal or something you heard from your grandpa, really anything that you don't want it to be lost or forgotten um, through the generations so we'll be able to have it on our podcast forever. So today's episode is pretty amazing. This is episode one, and Chalice Sweeten, uh, we've been—he was kind of the the driving force about me actually starting this podcast, and we kind of talked about things. And so it's only fitting to have him on for episode one, and it really fits in nice for what is going on in Arizona and Colorado and California and Washington. If you don't know what's going on in there, they're really trying to cut down on predator hunts. Um, Arizona's trying to get rid of bear, lion, and bobcat, make things difficult there. Colorado's trying to get rid of lion hunting. There's so many things, and I'm, I'm not, I don't know a ton about it. I'm going to be upfront with you guys, but I've been trying to read on, there's a website called howforwildlife.org. H-O-W-L. I'll leave a link in the description below. They kind of go through and tell you all what's going on in these states, and even if it's not where you're from, I'm in Idaho, um, so it really doesn't affect me at all, but it's, it affects hunters for the future. So go to that website, you can sign up um, to be part of their membership, and they'll kind of walk you through on how to do things. They make it super simple on how to sign up and how to sign petitions and everything. So how for wildlife. Org. Like I said, there's a link in the description. And this leads in really well because the first Switchback story is going to be from Chalice. About a month ago, he shot a once-in-a-lifetime mountain lion here in Idaho. This thing was is huge. So I've kind of already heard the story, but there's a lot more of it that I didn't know. So you guys are really going to enjoy this first episode. Um, and uh, like I said, this is a once-in-a-lifetime mountain lion here in Idaho. So Chalice, let us know how it all went down.
1: All right. Well, before I begin, I want to be very clear that I'm in no means a professional mountain lion hunter. I am just lucky enough to have an awesome brother-in-law and some great friends that have some hounds that allow me to tag along and provided this opportunity. So I definitely, uh, definitely not a professional, but, but we've actually, I've chased hounds with, with this particular guy that, uh, that's in my hometown. A few times before, and and it's been a lot of fun, and I kind of kind of started loving it from that point on. When we first got that first mountain lion in the tree, so it was it was pretty cool to to see that first first cat. And if you guys know any hound hunters, well, the ones that I know, they are diehard hound hunters. They are they they do it for their dogs. They don't do it necessarily to even kill a cat. Um, but this year i had an opportunity and knowing that they actually took the quota off of the mountain lions in this area i figured it would be a a good opportunity to try to get me a nice cat and i've always i've always wanted to but just never had the perfect opportunity at a really nice mature tom so this particular day i got invited to go out and and run dogs i really the way we we do it over here is we start looking through different canyons just looking for tracks that have been cut through the fresh snow this morning we had had a really nice snow the the night before and so i hopped on the back of a snowmobile with a good friend of mine and we just started looking at tracks we'd already hit two canyons that morning i think this was our third canyon and we came across this really nice track we leave the, left the dogs kind of back at the, at the trailhead. And so we, we cut this track. We run back to get the dogs, grab those, come back, and let the dogs loose on this track. And it's always hard to tell. Well, for me anyways, my untrained eye of really how fresh or how old these tracks are. So we let the hounds out. Of course, nowadays, they've got all the, the fancy gizmos with the GPS and whatnot. And so we're watching these dogs. We let them loose, watching the dogs. And we start a fire because we're like, oh, this is going to take a while. So we get fire going. And uh, the other people that we hunt with, we're checking some other canyons. And so we're like, well, we'll let the dogs run for a minute, see what happens. And then we'll go and get them and come back up and see where the dogs are at that point. Well, not 10 to 15 minutes later after we let the dogs loose, they show treed. So they stop where they're at and the bark indicator on this GPS starts going off at they're barking so many barks per minute. And so you know that they're they're pretty active at that point and they're stuck on a tree. So we buzz out of the canyon and we start looking for people to bring up to the tree. And particularly this day, and lucky for me, uh, my nephew, who had been running dogs with this guy multiple times before, uh, had a bunch of friends with him. And so we've got a bunch of teenagers I think there was probably five teenagers with us at that point. My brother-in-law and a a handful of other people. Well, we we get down. We find all these teenagers. We get everybody gathered up, and we all head back up the canyon to where we let these dogs loose. Now, we get up there, and we pull up to where we had left the, the little trailer for the dogs, and there we see two other snowmobiles with guys who have these other hounds which there's there's been an outfitter in town that has been hunting some of the same areas that we do and it looks like they have let their dogs go on the same track and so as we pull up we start chatting with them super nice guys super cool guys and come to find out a few canyons before us before our canyon that we were in they had let loose on the same set of tracks. So never experienced that before. Definitely never seen that happen, but they had run a couple of canyons and then came right into where we had let, let the dogs loose to chase this cat in the same Canyon we did. So Jeez. luckily outfitter was super cool. And he said, well, since you guys let your dogs on it, that it I mean, it's your guys a cat. He said, but I got to get my dogs. And so he says, I'm going to join you. So we, after evaluating what the GPS looked like and kind of the best way to get to this area, which it looked about two miles from where we were up and down and through a couple of different canyons. We decided the best way to do it would be to continue to drive up to the top and then kind of hike down to the dogs. All right, so we gathered everybody up again and made it to the top and started hiking in. It was kind of a trudge because there was tons of snow up on the top. So if anybody ever thinks hound hunting and mountain lion hunting is super easy, it's definitely not. It's something that takes a ton of work. Well, and if you're a houndsman, it's a ton of work beforehand with all the hounds and training and keeping all them in good shape. But then just to follow the hounds and figure out where they've treated this cat, much more work after that. So long story short, we make it to the cat. and um, We've got everybody there. A lot of these teenagers had never seen a mountain lion in a tree before. So a lot of pictures were taken. It was a really cool cat. And it ended up being a really nice old tom. And after some discussion of what was going to happen, we decided that this would be a good time to shoot. Now, at this point came the decision of who's going to shoot the mountain lion. And both my nephew and myself had, had our tags and were ready to shoot a mountain lion. And so for a long time, it was kind of back and forth of, well, you can go ahead and shoot it or, oh, I don't care. You can shoot it. So it was kind of uh, one of those dilemmas. And we decided at that point, hey, okay, well, we'll flip a coin for it to see who gets to shoot it. And about that time, uh, this cat decides that stayed in the tree long enough. So he bails out of the tree. Luckily, he goes kind of downhill, kind of towards where we had come from, but not super far. So the dogs, the dogs get back caught on his trail and get this cat treat again. And so once again, we start trudging through a few feet of snow. and We get over to where this cat is. And this time, it's a little bit higher up in the tree. Um, it's a little bit taller tree this time and a little bit higher up in there. And the way it's sitting is it's got a branch kind of perfectly over its vital and over its chest. And so we just spend some time looking at it. Uh, if you've ever treated a mountain before, it's really the funnest part is, is sitting there watching them and getting close to them, kind of seeing how the dogs react to them and uh, just being that close to a predator that big is it's pretty epic, really. So after a while watching it, we decided it's it's finally time to flip the coin. So we ended up flipping the coin, me and my nephew, and I ended up just luck of the draw winning that coin flip. and And props to him. He's a stud of a kid. He, uh, he had been chasing a lot of mountain lions with this, this guy previous. And, uh, and he, he, he said, okay, you're, you shot. So, uh, I ended up, I used my nine millimeter and the first shot. So I, I, I get up right to the base of the tree. The hard part was finding a good spot to kill this cat. Good spot to hit the vitals without hitting a branch. And so I get right up underneath the tree as close, about as close to the tree as I can get. And I get all ready to go, make sure the cameras are all ready, and and I shoot. And that first shot, snow just flies everywhere. And I look through the snow and I realize that I've hit the branch directly beneath this cat. And the cat's all snarling, baring its teeth at me at that point. And I'm like, okay, well, I got a second chance because I thought that cat would have jumped as soon as I shot. So second second time around. I get set again and I sneak one through the branches and I, what I think hits the cat, he jumps out, snow goes everywhere. We've got the dogs luckily up on the, the high side of the tree so the cat doesn't go up. He jumps directly down and he takes off. And my first thought is, oh, I missed because he took off so well. And I jumped down kind of below the tree where he took off and we start tracking him I can see his tracks you can see his tail drag marks and I'm not seeing a ton of blood so I'm getting more and more nervous every step because I'm expecting man if I hit this cat well he's gonna be bleeding all over the place and I know guys who have killed cats with a 22 mag they've shot him dropped with 22 mags and so I'm getting nervous because I'm like oh man if I miss this cat in front of all these people it's only cat these guys have wanted to shoot for a long time so we start tracking this thing and we see little bits of blood here and there but you never know because hounds will cut their pads on stuff and leave a little blood in the tracks once in a while so i'm like i don't know i i pull my pistol out and i keep it ready to go and we start tracking this cat through a bunch of different trees and we're going probably at least 100 yards at this point I'm like, well, do we let the dogs go again and see if they can find it? But just a few more, probably another 50 yards to go. And I see this big, thick patch of trees. And I can see where the cat has gone into it. And so not wanting to go directly into these trees and come face to face with this wounded lion, I kind of work my way around the outside of these trees. And I notice that there's no tracks that come out. And so I was like, well, that might be a good sign. Either he's in there and super mad and hurt, or he's in there dead. And so I start to poke around, try to be really careful. And I can see him laying in the laying in that, pat, that patch of trees just on the ground. And by that time, he had died. So I got super lucky at that point. I didn't have to come face-to-face with a wounded mountain lion. So that was so a plus. So he didn't plus. bleed very much? he didn't bleed very much at all it was crazy yeah that's and wild yeah yeah and he had i was so i was using a full metal jacket nine millimeter so nothing crazy it was gonna expand so it and didn't. create yeah blood trail but but never seen anything not bleed like that and and huh. die in that span of time But so where'd you end up hitting him So I ended up hitting him, it went just to the left of kind of where his sternum would be and blew out one of his lungs and came right out the same side, but pretty much hit him, hit him center on the left and then just came right out the left side and blew out a lung. Jeez. It just, it just took him that long to die. So he was, he was a tough old Tom, tough old Tom. Yeah. But. Yeah, luckily the the craziest thing to me was, you know, we had seen a lot of a lot of lions in the tree, and been fairly close to them, but when you actually put your hands on a lion, you realize really how tough and how muscular they are. They're amazing
0: animals. Yeah, and this wasn't just like an average. Tom like this was a big chalice sent me a picture of this thing and I was like oh my gosh this thing is huge so we're gonna have uh some pictures of it as well but yeah you have to w- take a look at these pictures to see how big this thing is for how what chalice is talking about yeah yeah and just even their heads like it, it just
1: amazing yeah and in one of the pictures I sent I sent Ross you can actually see just like the biceps on this cat almost looks like even a, like a bodybuilder just yeah, it looks like he's been doing curls. Yeah, but I mean, it, we didn't ever weigh him after, which I regret. I should have weighed him when I got him to the taxidermist. But he had to have been at least a hundred and sixty pound cat. Which is big so for he, a line
0: You think about that.
1: Yeah, I even tried. You know the the old epic picture of you carrying a mountain lion out on your shoulder. So I got one of those pitchers, but it was under very much strain because they lifted him on my shoulders, and I couldn't walk but probably 10 or 15 yards without having some real struggle. So he was a big big dude, that's for sure. Did you guys measure his skull? Yes, and I'm trying to remember. He ended up being only a quarter of an inch off of the Boone and Crockett measurements, um, Which is I can't amazing. remember his exact measurements, but yeah, he he ended up being pretty dang close to, to Boone and Crockett at, at that point. If I would have shot him with a bow, the taxidermist said he would have easily, easily made it in the record book. Huh. That's just why Yeah, wild. he would have easily made Pope Young
0: at that point. but And that's but what I, I don't just think a lot of people re- read. Oh, going I was gonna say, I don't think a lot of people realize the work that goes into having dogs. You think about, it's kind of like a horse. If people want a horse for hunting season, they still have to feed that horse and take care of that horse and exercise it for the whole year just to use it for that month. Hound hunters get, I mean, luckily they can go chase bears in the summertime, but most of those guys are wanting to chase mountain lions and they have a few months they have to take care of those dogs all year. So it's not just like some super easy little thing for people. Like I've done it one time and I just got lucky enough to go with somebody and like with chalice, we don't have to take care of the dogs. We get to get, I guess, reap the benefits of it, which is pretty amazing, but it's, it's hard to get, find someone that will that'll take you out. And for one, most like chalice said earlier, they're super picky on what they take. And so they have to make sure it's a really big Tom. And so chalice got lucky and ended up getting this really big Tom.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I tell you what, that I mean, my heart goes out to those houndsmen because they put so much love and effort into those dogs that I mean it it can't be matched. I've seen them my so my uncle actually is a houndsman and he packs a, a staple gun and suture kit just in case his dogs get hurt. He's he's always prepared, ready to go. So so my heart goes out to you houndsmen out there who who work so hard year by year for for chasing cats and, and having that passion. I'm just grateful to have, have close friends and people that that have a few dogs. So,
0: yeah, well, and that's the kind of the craziest thing you think about mountain lions and besides running a mountain lion with dogs, how many mountain lions have you seen out in the wild? Oh, exactly. I think
1: in all my years of hunting, I've only seen one and it was because we came across it on a kill. So super lucky.
0: Yeah. So, so hounds are about the only way to really keep mountain lions in check. And it's just like anything that's a whole balancing act of, you know, predator versus prey. And we have to keep the mountain lions in check. And they're like, that's kind of what I talked about in the beginning of this, this podcast was there's, a, there's some states that are wanting to get rid of hunting lions, bobcats, and bears. So we, as hunters need to kind of stand up. Cause if, if we don't, if they, if they're not managed, they go out of control and then the deer numbers drop. And so it's, it's a vital part of, of hunting and conservation is keeping predators in check. And so that's why it's worked out perfect. This is episode one of switchback stories. And it only seemed fitting to have chalice on here. And it just seemed extra fitting that he was able to take such an amazing mountain lion. And then with all this stuff going on, if you're on, like I said, on Instagram, um, H Howl for wildlife is the best one I've seen so far. It makes it really easy to, they, they tell you what's going on in these States and different things and how you can take action and help. So, their websites, how for org, or if you type in how, howl H O W L on Instagram, you can kind of find their Instagram page and then kind of go through and see that. So yeah. it's pretty amazing and, to hear Chalice's story. Like I said, I, I've, I've heard it once before guys. So, uh, but I didn't know he told me, like he called me the day he shot it, but I didn't know that the lion had went so far and that you had to like go in to the, the trees to find us. So that was new to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because the ones that I've ever seen before, you know, they'll they'll die within a few yards from the tree, right? But that add a little bit of intensity
0: to it, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, because the one I shot with my bow, I mean, I shot it and it like jumped out of the tree and it was dead by the time it hit the ground. Mm-hmm. But like I said, it makes so, – so one thing we're going to do on these switchback stories is talk about a takeaway or what he would do different. So Chalice, what would you have done different on this hunt?
1: Well, with a little foresight, I probably would have taken my bow.
0: Yeah,
1: I would have loved to to shoot a cat with a bow. That's probably one thing that I would have I would have done, because I probably will never shoot another mountain lion or even one like this. And so, just to kind of have that goal in mind before you go out, I would definitely, if you've got it in your mind, because I had thought about it before, but I kind of put it off and I thought about, oh, it's a pain to carry a bow and da 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 da. But I would push myself a little bit and probably have have taken a bow with me at that point.
0: Yeah, but no, I could see how and and you're doing a full body mount.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. This thing was big enough. He's gonna he's going in the house
0: for sure. Which is awesome. They're such pretty animals. Yeah,
1: and you know if you're ever thinking about going out, just always keep in mind too. I mean, I we took this cat out full body and luckily for me, I had, I had two nephews with me and they had a bunch of friends. And if I didn't have them to help me drag this mountain line out of this big old Canyon, it would have been a much different experience. So, so make sure you're prepared that way. Cause it's definitely not a, an easy trek unless you're going to try to full, full skin, a mountain lion out in the, out in the
0: sticks. And in Idaho, you're usually, you're always in a ton of snow. So that oh, makes yeah. it even harder. Yeah, definitely. So, well, awesome, but- Chalice. Thanks so much for your time. Like I said, it's awesome to hear these hunting stories. And uh, we appreciate you guys for watching. Or I guess I say watching because we do so much YouTube. But listening, this is podcast. It's only hearing, yeah. which is so crazy for me. But we have talked about this podcast for quite a while. And Chalice used to live up where I do. And then he like took it upon himself to move away <laughs> so we're having to do this over the internet instead of being in person. But like I said, it seemed only fitting for episode one to have chalice on here. And if you guys would like to be on this podcast, or if you have a story or if you have a story that your uncle told you, your grandfather told you or something that you don't want to be lost or forgotten. That's why we started switchback stories. So shoot us an email, TV at Gmail. And if you want to see a picture of chalice's cat, I'll post it up on Instagram to switch back Outdoors. And then, uh, you can take a look cause he's a, he's a great Tom. So happy yeah. to have you on here. And, uh, like I said, take a look at that picture. Cause I was super impressed when I saw it. Yep.
1: Yeah, it was a fun hunt and we're, we're excited so. to hear your guys' stories. I hope you, hope you give Ross an opportunity to, to hear some of the awesome stories that are out there that may have been lost or you don't want to get lost.
0: Thank you guys so much for listening to the first ever episode of Switch Backstories. Can't thank Chalice enough for coming on and telling us about his once-in-a-lifetime mountain lion hunt here in Idaho. And click that link in the description for the Wildlife.org so you can get up to date on what's going on in these other states. Um, We definitely need to jump on there and show them our support. So. If you guys know of someone or if you guys would like to be on this podcast, shoot us an email, TV at gmail. We'd love to get with you guys. We're going to be doing these podcasts once a week, so um, we have a lot of opportunity to get your guys' stories out there. Like I said and before, we don't want these stories to get lost or forgotten. So shoot us an email. That way we can get you guys on here, or if you know of someone, let them know. Tell someone about this podcast if you enjoyed it. Um, leave us a review down below. That really helps us out a lot. Can't thank you guys enough for listening. And uh, we'll catch you on episode two of Switchback Stories next week.